0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, ReLearn. My name is Mega Jewel. I am a communication specialist specializing in the B2B tech space. And I'm joined now by my co-host, Kelly. Kelly, before we introduce our special guest, I would love to share with folks, you know, a little bit more about you, but also why we're doing this podcast in the beginning. Sure, Mega. well, thank you
1: so much, listeners, for joining us today. My name is Kelly Shea, and um, I manage PR for a tech company doing workplace culture and diversity, equity, inclusion. Some of these topics are things I'm very, very passionate in, and it's actually one of the reasons we're doing this podcast. Our podcast is called ReLearn because Megan and I met during PRSA, and we connected on this idea that as people of color that we have all this baggage. It seems that we take throughout our life, you know, in our personal life, in our professional life. And some of the things we learn over the years may not have helped us thrive really in these areas. So what are the things we need to relearn, think differently or learn for the first time because our parents may have not have the knowledge
0: to help us in some of these areas because they are first-gen immigrants, right? I want to add that they are doing the best that they can, but it came from a different time. It came from a different generation. And what we're doing is now adapting to this time and being able to invest in that next generation of leaders and communicators, uh, you know, who are coming after us. Yeah. Really the purpose of it.
1: Yeah. So we're, these are things we're, we're both, I think, very passionate about when we connected and, We just hope that, you know, our listeners will take something valuable from all these conversations I'm gonna have with different experts in different fields on various topics. And today we're really, really excited to have Artie Kasia yep, Ainsley join us. And Artie and I have been friends for a little while. Uh, we're so excited to have her today to really talk about the meaning of finding a fulfilled, the, the perp- how do we find a purposeful career? Mm. And how do we actually transition if we had a different career or a different trade or a different educational background? But maybe we found something that maybe we, we actually don't love it. We did it because our parents or, or our loved ones really expected us to do it, or they thought that it would be a stable job. Um, but maybe we're, we're just not happy in our day to day. So what's the advice that we can get to help those that are in that spot to get out of it, find something meaningful, but also have these conversations with their loved ones. I think it takes a lot of courage to do that, and Artie is actually um, an accountant by trade. Uh, she was a management consultant at uh, Deloitte. And now she's the global head of uh, health and well being at the Ocado Group and a transformational life coach. So those are very rocking. Yeah. And we're so, so excited to have her to talk about her transformation and give some guidance to, to us and our listeners today. So, Artie, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. So thanks so much. I
0: haven't been blessed to knowing a full story about you. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I would love to learn more about, you know, where you started, where you're at now, and, you know, where you want to take it from here.
2: Yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to go back a little bit because I think in some ways, life has kind of come a bit full circle. Um, But when I was growing up, I was super shy, very timid, highly academic. Um, And when I was going through high school, my vision was I'm gonna be an obstetrician. I'm gonna go into medicine and I'm gonna be a doctor. And I was just gunning for it. You know, Indian descent background, like you're groomed to either be an engineer, a doctor or an accountant basically. So I was like, boom, my parents are like putting all their money in on me to be like, she's gonna be the (laughs) one that's gonna be a doctor. Um, And then in 12th grade, I took a parenting class and watched the birthing video and basically was like, yeah, that's never happening. So I quickly switched careers uh, or ideas. And funny enough, at the same time, I took my first ever business course because up to that point, I was very much like all sciences, all math, like you know, preparing for getting into a science undergrad. And when I took my business class, I was like, I actually really like reading this textbook. I found it really interesting. I found it really practical. And I was sort of like, okay, I'm going to do business. That's what I'm going to do. And I think my parents were like, ah, what does that mean? Like for so long, we've just been thinking you're going to be a doctor, like now what? And I then went and did my undergrad and I did it in business. And as soon as I started, it was my dad very much grooming me to be like, accounting, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. this is the way you'll be a chartered accountant. And, as, and I really didn't want to do that. I think I had my eyes set on marketing. I thought this idea of being an, a marketing exec and working in advertising seemed really cool. I had no idea what that meant. And I became really close to the professor at my university and he basically was like, I hate to break this to you, but you're never gonna make it in marketing. And it's likely to be because you are super shy, very timid and not outgoing. You will literally get eaten alive by this world. Wow. And what will happen is when you graduate from marketing, you either go one way, which is like, you're super outgoing, extroverted, all these things and kind of exceed and go into the jobs that, you, know, in my mind, I thought I would get, or you go down the telemarketer route. So he was like, I think for your sake, it's probably not the right thing to do. And I was like, why is everybody telling you, no. Yeah. And actually also funny enough, the professor that I still have like a quite a close mentorship relationship with relationship today with was also like an Indian man. So very interesting that he was like kind of trying to guide me out of this. And at the same time that that was happening, I took my first set of accounting courses and I really wanted to hate them. Like I wanted to hate them so I could almost rebel against what my dad was trying to groom me for. But actually I really liked it. And oh. I hate saying that, but like, for me, I just felt like all of the other business classes I was starting to take made so much more sense because of this. And it was this idea in my mind that I was like, if I'm going to have a successful career in business, I need to have this as my foundation. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to go for it and just do whatever this chartered accounting thing looks like. No idea what that looked like, but I was like, must join the accounting society, must network with all these people and figure out my path. And then that's what kind of landed me um, on the grad scheme at PwC. Um, And so I started in the grad scheme there. I worked in audit, tax and advisory and was with PwC for about four and a half, five years and was very much on the partner track. So like six months before I actually exited, I was like taken out by a bunch of partners and they were like, we see you on this fast track. We're trying to groom you. I was like, this is not what I want to do. Like I'm done. Like I got my letters behind my name and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like I, I, this, the, what I was doing in advisory, I liked, but I was like, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. I'm not, this isn't lighting my soul on fire. I need to see more. And I was like, I want to do consulting. I had no idea what that meant, but I was like, again, I'm just like, I'm going to just do it. And I applied for a job at Deloitte and, and I got hired in their finance consulting practice. And in my mind, I was like, "I'll be there for two years, in and out. I'm gonna go do my MBA, get into investment banking, or just do something other than this, and I'll figure it out." And I left on my 11th year anniversary, so that just tells you how long I stuck around. Um, wow. And I loved it, right? Like it yeah. was, it was perfect for the time in my life. I, you know, I was at the Canadian firm for four and a half years, and 80% of that time I spent living in a train, plane, hotel, bus, like you name it, right? Like I was just with a suitcase always. And I loved that, but also like I was getting older and I could see family members around me being like, okay, when is she gonna settle down? I just had no desire to, I was loving the travel. Wasn't necessarily loving the work, but I loved the excitement of the travel. I loved working with a team. I loved all the skills I was picking up. It something about it made me feel like, I feel like I'm succeeding super unhealthy back, super unhealthy lifestyle, I think, because obviously like you're working crazy hours. I definitely was that person that slept with my phone, like next to my pillow. The minute I took no rest either. No. And by the time a partner emailed you at 2 AM, I was like the first one to respond and open it up. And like, you know, it's just not good. And towards the end of that four and a half years before I moved to the UK firm, I kind of had a bit of a personal lull. I went through quite a few things. And at that time, I was already, I was also not that well, like I was having insomnia, my nutrition wasn't great. I was like having loads of different types of stress reactions. Um, I was feeling quite depressed. I was low and I was like, I, something has to shift. And so in the year before I moved to the UK, I spent a lot of time in self-development and just trying to focus and understand like who I was, what I was. And I think that's when I started to get this really big ignition for this health and well-being space. And the correlation between that and the workplace. Mm. Nonetheless, I moved to Deloitte. And when I moved to Deloitte in the U. sorry, I moved to Deloitte in the UK, not to Deloitte because I was already there. Um, but I moved to Deloitte in the UK and it was amazing because while I moved into the same practice, I, was, I moved countries, right? So I was able to hit this massive reset button. I also was able to escape any sort of cultural configuration that I lived or was raised in because I was literally breaking away from it all. Mm. I was able to kind of start fresh and new, like repave my path. And when I started back at Deloitte in the UK, I basically was like, I'm gonna take a stance on prioritizing my health and well-being and seeing what that means for my career trajectory instead of being at the demise of the job always. And what I found was my career trajectory skyrocketed way more than it ever did before. Um, And before I knew it, I was like, again, getting groomed for partnership, like looking at like what that future path was. I definitely was someone they highlighted as a top performer. Again, as I started to get more and more senior, I was like, "Oh, is this really what I want? And the conversation started opening up about like, you know, your directorship and partnership. And I was like, not sure if this is what I want. And it wasn't until right after I got married in 2017 that I literally looked at my husband the day before I went back to work and was like, I don't want to go into work. Oh. I really don't. And I'm willing to like get deported back to Canada <laughs> so we can sort our visa situation out because I just really don't want to go into work. And, mm. um, and I was entering a promotion year. I went to see a partner that was like, not in my service area, but someone I trusted and was like, what can I like, what, what do I do? Like, please tell me what can I do? Because right now I'm thinking I want to leave. But the thing that I always tell my coaches is, to explore every pocket of the firm possible before you leave, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're in a safe place. So what are the other opportunities there? And like to speak up and tell someone. So I'm sort of like, if I don't tell someone and I leave, it, I, would be, I wouldn't be I would be taking the same advice if I would get somebody else. And the partner was amazing. So he was basically like, we gotta keep you on the track that you're on right now, but we gotta start exploring some of this stuff. Um, and I did a whole bunch of work with him and on my own to kind of, figure out what it was I wanted to do. And I think they were trying to move me from finance to human capital consulting. And I was like, I just don't wanna do consulting period. I want to wake up in the same bed every day. I want a little bit more like decorum in my life. I want a bit of routine, which I've never had. There's a part of me that wants to feel settled. And I just had never wanted that before because I was so addicted to this high flying life. Um, and in that, then they started testing out some ideas around um, corporate wellness. So a whole well-being program for consulting. And I got involved in the tail end of this pilot. And the feedback from the pilot was so strong that they couldn't avoid not doing something. And so then the head of consulting, who's now the CEO of the of well, the European firm, was basically like, I need someone to lead this. And I put up my hand and was like, I will literally walk away from consulting and turn my focus completely onto this. And I will literally do it. Cause originally they were like, we need a senior person to do it three days a week or two days a week. I'm like, that's not gonna happen. Like no one's gonna sell me on a project for three days a week. So it's either you take me for five or I don't do it at all. And they were like, all right, fine. So I walked into this role as the head of health and well-being for the Deloitte UK consulting practice. No idea what that meant. I was like, I'm going to figure it out. Um, and then I did that for about three years. I went on maternity leave. And for the first time, I think when I left, the day I left for maternity leave was the first day I, I remember looking back at the firm as I, left, as I walked out thinking, I think I'm ready to leave. And I know exactly what I want to do outside these doors. I think for so long, I wasn't. I couldn't leave because I wasn't 100% sure of like, if this role came up in the market, yes, I'd want this. And now I almost had a clear line of like, these are the things I'd be looking for. And when I walked out on maternity leave, I had no idea that COVID was going to hit. COVID, while, well, you know, impacted all of us, what it also did for the workplace was elevate conversations around well being in, in the workplace. Right. And so, to be very helpful. A lot of roles that I thought were interesting started popping up. um, And that's exactly how I found the role in Ocado, which brings me to where I am today.
1: There's definitely a rise in these roles like chief well-being officers now because it's a time that a lot of employees are feeling high burnout. So I think what you're doing today is definitely very, very interesting, very, very relevant. I'm sure it's very meaningful to you. It sounds like you went through that journey of high burnout yourself and then be like, nope, I need to take a step back and take care of myself. Um, So I think you mentioned a lot of great things in your story. I I am really curious to have to talk about these difficult conversations you have to have, where you have to change careers or like, whether it's with the partners in the firm or with your family or loved ones, or even like, maybe with your husband, right? yourself. Yeah. Or yeah. Yourself. Exactly. So walk us through that. What was that like? And like, what, um, you know, what are some strategies I think when listeners are like, oh, I'm really dreading telling, you know, whether it's my boss or my dad who really wants me to be an accountant when I really don't want to be an accountant. Walk us through that.
2: Yeah. So I'm trying to think of like where the best place to start
1: actually with that is I think start.
2: So I think the first thing I would say is it's a journey, right? So like, I think actually the hardest one was me coming to a conclusion as to where I was going to go. Almost like that, that level of, I had almost believed the story that everybody wanted for me. And I was so ingrained in it and the culture of like that whole consulting firm, professional services environment. It literally makes you feel like you're almost in this I, and I don't want to say that in a bad way because it was such a great environment right. and it, it grew me up professionally right but it really there is something about feeling like you have that name and that status and that title next to you and that's probably the thing that I struggled with the most so if I break it down the first conversation I had about not being happy in the workplace well first yeah it was let's start It was, was with um, a partner and it was interesting because I put time in his diary and was like Oh, I just want to catch up about this thing. And I walked into his office. And after like five minutes of like just rambling about like randomness, he was like, okay, seriously, are you leaving? Are you handing in your resignation? Is that what's happening? So he'd already started to see between the lines. And I was, and I was just honest. I said, look, I I was really clear with, I don't know how this is gonna come out, but I'm not happy. And this is the, this is what I'm feeling like. And I couldn't properly articulate all the things that I probably needed to articulate to him. But the amazing thing about it was he helped me figure out how to articulate it. So he gave me, it was because of him, I ended up doing loads of exercises on the side on my own and spending time to understand, like, what don't I like about my current career? What do I want it to look like? And how can I kind of take that and shape that into something? Because then that's tangible. I can hand that to someone and they can help me figure that out. And so I think one like piece of advice is to just be vulnerable and be open. You might not know the answer. And I think that that's fair. There's a really, there's a book I always give my coaching clients, um, which is big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm. So if you guys have not come across that, I highly recommend it. Okay. And I think, and I feel like that book is this, the one book that literally put me on this trajectory. Oh. And it's because the way she teaches you, the way she talks about life is almost this element of following your curiosity. And it's you know not getting so stuck in this last point, right? So a, a example in the book is she talks about like a screenplay writer. So you have two screenplay writers. One is like, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow. I'm gonna write a play. It's gonna be Oscar, uh, a, a movie. It's gonna be Oscar winning. It's gonna go crazy. Does all that. And then all of a sudden the screenplay tanks. Like he doesn't get his Oscar, like nothing happens, right? Like it's just not great then you have the other person's like, hmm, I think I feel like writing a screenplay. So I'm just see what happens with it. And then there it, it skyrockets. And the whole idea is you just don't put a lot of emphasis on the end. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to happen. You just do it for the sake of doing it. And you're not married to this end goal, but you're married to the fact that I'm going to keep following this until something maybe pivots or changes in my mind. And then I'm going to be willing to detour. I think there's like this graph of like, life isn't like this, but it's like this, like, yeah you know know, like the waved curve basically right and I think that's that big element I had to really let go of because you know in that consulting environment it's very much like senior manager director partner like you know exactly what that trajectory is right and I had to really let go of that and and start to figure out like I don't know if this is going to be the right answer I'm going to keep keep going so I think that's one conversation I think the one with yourself is the one that you need to probably spend time with and that's you know, I think once you feel sure of the decision you've made, I think the conversations with family members, friends and everyone around you become so much easier because they can see the conviction and the surety and confidence in your face. They can see the passion, they can see you light up. And so, and you need that so that you don't waver, so that you aren't impacted by the words or opinions of others, right? Like it's taken me a long time to get to that point. But I'd say that it like, it definitely was a thing that even when I first got the role, I was like super excited. But at the first question I asked was like, what's next level? Like, how do I know when I get promoted? Like, it was really, really, like for a long time, I couldn't even let go of, oh, I work in consulting and that's what I do. It took me a long time to be able to let go of that. I feel like that also does not answer the question directly. So I apologize, but yeah. No, I don't think you should
0: ever apologize like i'm here like getting a little bit more emotional than i thought i would and (laughs) bodily like goosebumps because as i'm writing these notes down like seeing this like picture being mapped out you had said like way earlier about lighting my soul on fire like doing something that gives you ambition a purpose a drive and then you're talking about creating opportunities and focusing less on the end goal but, you know, at least for me growing up in the culture that I didn't grow up in the States, I grew up in Indonesia, very different cultural dynamics, very different parental dynamics. And you talk about this, this following this step and it's so risk averse, it's safe, yeah. at least it's deemed safe. And, and here you are taking leaps and bounds out of that comfort zone. But at the same time, you're now at a position where you know I, I hear it in your in your voice like I don't think you'd ever go back and you're, you're no. hopefully happy about those decisions. Like how many of us and I still to this day live in that fear? Mm-hmm. What if I'm scared to take this next yeah. step? I'm scared to take this next opportunity. I'm scared to create an opportunity because I don't know how. but you you are a walking testament of that.
2: I think also when I don't want to sound so like, I don't know, I don't want to say woo woo because I, yeah, but you know, that whole idea of like, I think when you put yourself in the vibrations of what you're meant to be doing and that energy goes to that, things just come to you. And I, and I kind of wish that I didn't believe in that, but I feel like the thing that I've seen is exactly that, that sometimes I think things land on my plate and I'm like whoa like how did I have never been imagined. I didn't do anything and it just came to me and it's not even like I didn't put the work in but it's like I'm I'm in the space of doing the thing that I love and I think that everyone that kind of
1: starts to admit
2: and thing the things come to you and you'll
1: feel if it's right or not yeah yeah we got to give ourselves I think more credit for our instincts uh um, yeah than we do but I love what you said about don't pay too much attention to this end goal i completely agree with mega right like i think we grew up thinking even in college or in high school you're already starting to think about oh my gosh what am i gonna be what am i gonna study what am i gonna major but in this new world of work there are so many different roles that are being open and the future work we don't even know what those new roles are so like i feel like our parents were gonna be at a company or a job for like 30, 40 years, but it's very different than the way we work now. You have a lot more choice and following your curiosity may land you something completely different than what you envision and that's okay, right? Whether you fail or success, either way, I think you're gonna gain so much about um, yourself and what you ultimately wanna do that makes you happy.
0: Well, I mean, you talked about pivot. I have two things. Ah, I have so many things to talk about. But you talk about pivots and those pivots, like, I mean, failure is what we've coined as experience. I mean, that not that necessary to understand what you don't yeah. want?
2: Yes. Of course. And I think you can't, like, failure is your learning opportunity. That's what the growth, I mean, I don't want to sound like what everyone says, but it is, that's where you grow. That, like, if you're just succeeding, 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 great. All it's telling you is that you're good at something, but you're not actually having opportunities to take a step back and be like, whoa, oh, wait, do I need to rethink this? Do I need to relearn? Like, you know, I love the, first, like the name of the podcast is Relearn, but it's almost very similar to this idea that Adam Grant puts out there around rethinking. His mm-hmm. whole thing is like, can we rethink things? And it's true. It's like, how do I become this person that's critically gonna look at everything in my life in that way? And I feel like you do that when you fail, but when you keep succeeding and things are coming to you, just like, there's no, there's no need to question.
1: No, not at all.
0: I I think about some of the conversations I've had with some of my family members in particular, maybe one generation older than I am, or even two, where I hear a lot of, I can't, you know, I hear a lot of like, I can't do this. Hmm. And what I heard from you was it starts with what you're, you kind of hinted at manifestation yeah. Being able to think about those, those positive or what you're looking for and being able to cultivate that, cultivate that. Cause I'm a firm believer of what I think is reflects directly what I say, what I say affects what I do. And that yeah. kind of spirals into whatever direction that you want it to go. Your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I agree. I do agree with that. A hundred percent agree with that. But I do think that also takes time, right? Like, you know, for me, the thing, when I said to you guys that when, before I moved to the UK, I went through some quite challenging personal times that was sort of like, I had just literally turned 30 at the time that that happened. And the part of the reason why I then flipped to start looking at self-development was because I said to myself, I don't want to make the same mistakes that I've been making for the last sort of whatever number of years in this, like going forward. And I think then from that single time, it's made me really think about things that like when it's not working, I like really spend time thinking about those things. And like Meg, I love how you said that like, you know, everything you do kind of reflects on the outside, but that also takes a lot of self-awareness Yeah. and sometimes facing those conversations internally are a really scary thing. Like it would have been so much easier for me to just continue on the trajectory that I was continuing on, um, in consulting and like be working 24 seven and not allow myself to have like headroom and just get lost in it. But at what cost, like at some point that's going to come up. And I think sometimes for people that that facing that, those questions that are inside are harder than just going with it and getting lost in the busyness and chaos of whatever is surrounding you at the time.
1: Hmm. Sounds like a very, um, you need to have a very candid conversation with yourself. Yeah. The first step to getting out of, I can't, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Um, Well, I mean, this doesn't have to be about career, but I mean, I'm curious to know if there are things you are still relearning or have relearned in the past um, and any interesting anecdotes to, to share with us.
2: That's a big one. Uh, I think I'm constantly relearning. Um, I, yeah, I think, you know, being where I am now from a career perspective, I'm really happy, but I also don't think it's the end. So there is this level of me that feels like I'm still very married to that idea that Elizabeth Gilbert planted in my head, which is, I'm just going to go with it, but I definitely am going to, like, you know, look at different, like I'm right now just signed up for a course on Coursera on social justice, right? Like Aww. I feel like there's an element of me just trying to be like, oh, what, like, what more does this mean? And so I think that idea, like just, I think my main anecdote is probably to tell people to just not be married to that angle, right? To remain curious mm-hmm. and to challenge yourself to rethink. Like if you feel like you're so married to an idea, ask yourself why right? Like, um, Adam, Adam Grant's book, where you think I'm going to, I don't remember all of the titles, but he basically gives like, I think four different types of people. It's like the prosecutor or something else, whatever. And they like, are what shows up in a discussion basically. And it's like, if you're having a conversation with a friend and they have an opinion, you have an opinion. You either like really spend a lot of time pushing your opinion. You kind of either meet them halfway or you completely flip. And it's, challenging yourself to fall into the, not the, I'm just going to push my idea, but I'm going to open up my mind and and my head to that. And I think it's that combination of staying curious and allowing yourself to constantly rethink and and reassess and check in with yourself. Mm -hmm. Check in with yourself. I like that. (coughs) Yeah,
1: Meg, is there anything else? I feel like this has been such an insightful conversation. I'm learning a lot. Those two books you mentioned are really interesting. I think I'm gonna put them on my list.
0: Sounds like a book club. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all up for a book club. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as we're heading to conclusion, I, there's just so many things, but we've got different types of people that we want to really address folks who are either starting in their career or folks who are switching, potentially mm-hmm. transitioning because of personal changes, you know, external situations and factors, what advice do you have one by one for folks who are starting and folks who have been in this path very similar to you, but then going, oh crap, I might need to change things up.
2: Yeah. Um, So if I start with them, those just starting out in their career, I think it's definitely a few of the things that we talked about. One is, not being afraid of failure um, and knowing that failure is where the growth is gonna happen and not allowing failure to be a sign of, I'm in the wrong thing, but rather I'm gonna take this learning and then continue on and see where this goes. And then I think the other is definitely the thing that we've talked around, around remaining curious and just continuing curious. And actually now when I think about it, I almost feel like that would be the exact same advice I would give to someone who was pivoting because pivoting is scary, right? And maybe the only other additional thing I would say is, you know, question, like understand why the pivot is taking place, right? So what's driving the pivot? Is it that, you know, like the pandemic saw with people, you know, losing jobs or facing different financial situations or just questioning their life, like what, where did it come from? And what is it being really crystal clear on what you're trying to achieve? And I think the thing is, when we often think about what we want our career to look like, we're just sort of like, oh, that nine to five or eight, whatever, right? Like Mm -hmm. when I get into the office or my virtual office, this is what it looks and feels like. These are the tasks I'm doing. But actually we spend a third of our lives working. Mm -hmm. That is a big chunk of our time. So work isn't something that just happens in like its own little chunk. It's something that permeates into everything you do. So when you think about what I want work to look like, it has to, the, the whole conversation around it has to be, what does my life look like from the time that I get up in the morning to how I like get ready for work, to commuting to work, to coming home from work, the life I have in the evening. What does all of that look like that I want? Because your job is gonna dictate a lot of what happens in and around you know, those core working hours that everyone talks about. Um, so that's the only added nuance I would add to that second group.
1: Well, and I think I I always share that when I was doing some thinking for myself, my own career, I was like, man, we do work a lot. And if I don't love what I do, how could I survive for years to come, right? And I think that's why I think it's incredibly important for us to really take the time to look within and find those. And like you said, experiment with different roles, different volunteering um, activities to, to actually find that passion and, you know, taking that leap of faith is not easy. It's a battle within yourself. And like you said, like you have to be ready to accept the opinions of those around you. Uh, Sometimes they may not always be supportive and negative Um, and it's a journey. Um, But thank you so much for everything you share with us today. Uh, Again, Mm -hmm. I think we're learning a lot, we're relearning. Uh, One of the biggest takeaway is to always stay curious for me. (laughs)
0: That, that is exactly. I mean, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to meet you. Appreciate oh, you staying on the other you. side, you know, <laughs> super late, but you're, you're absolutely right. And the fact of the matter is that you are that walking example of what, what success might look like. And you've also defined that success is different for everybody. Yeah. So determine that yourself. Is, is there all, anything, huh? Is there anything if, else you want to add? yeah
2: I was you know I think there's a couple of things that have come up for me guys, for me as you guys have been chatting and I uh, saying the last bits and I think I think that there's something that I've listened I was listening to a podcast um, where Simon Sinek was interviewed. everyone loves Simon Sinek Love. and his whole like drive to, to ask you to think about your why and I think the thing that I would say is you're not you may not know that from day one and I think sometimes some of the conversations around, Find your passion, find your why it can be really scary for people because they're like, I don't know what that is, right? Like, I've had similar conversations with friends, you know, that, like local to me that are like, I don't know what my passion is. I just know that this is what my skill set is in swimming to do. And I just think there's this element of also, like, again, in following your curiosity, it's not putting pressure on yourself to know the answer to understanding do understanding that yeah to do it it's just to, your idea your um, your main objective is to understand that you are on a journey, and even when you think you have the answer figured out, you're still going to be on a journey and that might change again so it, it is almost like without sounding so cliche and probably cringy it's it is to embrace the journey that you're on and allow the curiosity to drive that journey.
0: Well, those are some lasting words, and I have this quote <laughs> calendar I want to conclude with. <laughs> Eleanor Roosevelt is a quote, uh, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams.
2: Oh, I love that. Love thank,
0: that. Thank you so much for your, your stories, your heart and the passion mm-hmm. that you bring, because it really, uh. I mean, I'm I'm probably speaking on behalf of both of us. It really sparks a fire because, I mean, <laughs> even this week, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm on the on the brink of burnout. And here you are coming in with f- fresh, fresh, like attitude and energy. So thank you.
1: Oh, we'll probably have welcome. to talk to Artie about,
0: you know, fighting burnout.
1: Yeah, exactly. ah, so that will be our, you know, next episode. Next episode. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> She's willing to give us more time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy to return to this anytime. So yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Well, we are so thankful for our listeners. And you know, this is not just a one direction conversation. Kelly and I want to hear from you. We're going to be posting this on our very own LinkedIn and our private messages are open because we want to hear about your challenges, your successes, and how we can best support each other through these conversations. And not only just talk about it, but what can we do to really collectively take action? So thank you so much to you both for for joining.
1: Thank Thank you. you. We'll talk soon.